0: Welcome back to another Hour with Crowder with me, your host, Crowder. Like, share, subscribe, and comment. And if you're already a subscriber, go ahead and ding the bell so that you can get all of my latest podcasts every Tuesday. And before we start the show, let's get straight into the sponsor. In a market of many home buying and selling professionals, it's hard to choose the right relative for the job. Let an Hour with Crowder help you with your choice. If you're in a DFW area or the state of Texas, I have the best home professional for you, Jay Crowder. Backed with over 15 years of experience, he's willing and ready to help you with all of your home buying needs. Call 469-383-0092 or visit quailandcrowder.pprealtorgroup.com and you can reach him at all of his social media platforms, which will be in the description above. Now let's get on with the show. Yes. So now that we on with the show, I'm not even going to stunt to y'all. I've been a dysfunctional mess. I have been not logging, not meditating, not doing anything worthwhile, just pretty much (sighs) soaking in whatever this feeling is. I think I'm going through some stages of grieving my sister, and I'm not properly compartmentalizing the feelings. It just kind of, seems like it's one big day. The week feels like one big day, and then before you know it, I'm back to the weekend, and then the weekend flies by, and then I'm back on the work train, and I'm back to grieving, and I'm back to feeling like this thing is a big day, like the week is a big day. So I, Crowder, have taken it upon myself to seek therapy, yes it is time i mean it's almost pretty much damn there have been a year not a year we're pretty far away from a year from my sisters transitioning but it's almost her birthday so i'm just feeling icky i guess and i know that it's getting around that time so i'm just like dreading it and i don't know i don't know how to feel the feeling. so Yes, I am going to be taking off a little time from the YouTube platform, but I still will be doing stuff on IG Live and posting my opinions. It's going to be a shorter form. and You know, my hour with Crowder is literally 45 minutes to an hour, and I'm just starting to feel like I'm cheating the fans by not being up to par. Sometimes it's hard for me to even – literally just do an episode and I love podcasting. I love talking to people. I love um, putting the people up on knowledge. I love just doing this. If I could get paid to do this, this would be great. But unfortunately I have a job and I have the podcast and I have other things that I'm trying to get gathered in my life and all of that is have been on the back burner but the most important thing is therapy it's time for me to go and get therapy this whole thing has this whole thing with the podcast and me dating my girlfriend for almost two years now and my sister's transition and just family problems have all collided and clashed and put me in this spot where I feel stagnant so much of that being on me and me thinking about it all the time has finally cracked me and like i said i don't feel like it's fair for me to come in here and just give you guys on the youtube platform or any of the other streaming platforms that you guys link up with me at i don't think that it's fair to do that it's just getting to the point where i'm just like yeah it's time bro Like you're not giving your audience your best foot forward and that's going to start showing, you know, because I went from video camera to doing it by myself to doing all of that stuff by myself to turning around and just being, just shooting by myself and then turning around and just doing audio only. So you can clearly see from... Point A to point B to point Z that the podcast has has been declining, slowly but surely. And not even I'm not even talking about views or subscribers. I'm just talking about the energy of the show. I'm talking about um, the execution of the show. I'm talking about the togetherness, the cohesiveness. Some of these episodes I've went back and listened to, and I've been like, "Well, that wasn't your best foot forward," or "That wasn't your." You know, initial, what you should have did initially. And it just always seemed like I'm putting out throwaway episodes. That's what it kind of sounds like. And it's mostly because I feel like I'm having an acute depression episode. Yeah. That's what I think. So... Yeah, I'm definitely going to go and get therapy. And I just want to let you guys know that like, hey, just because I'm not here every single day don't mean that I'm not still keeping up with everything. That's why I make it my business every episode to tell you guys to follow me on social media because now that will be my main outlet to go to to see what I think about certain topics. You know, and if I do come over here and do an hour with Crowder or do an episode, then it will be audio only until I get myself together, which I feel like two weeks to a month is like a pretty decent amount of time. I mean, y'all don't even be looking at this anyways, so yeah. So let me. So now that I've gave y'all one on one in my life, let me let's go ahead and get on with the show. Well, I'm talking about episodes that I've went back and listened to. The one with Marlon Washington, and I think it's called What is the Real Problem? I think it's like episode 60 or something, 69 or something crazy like that. Anyways, him, I really feel like he sent his minions to like flood my page because I think that that episode it was done two months ago so if I, if this is episode 80 and it was done two months ago so it has to be 72 or 73 or something like that anyways that shit was um aired two months ago and then all of a sudden last week it just started getting Marlon Washington um fans all on my page now I don't know if you guys know him but I think he said that he's in Washington DC or something like that Okay, so I don't know if anybody from Washington knows him. I didn't even know him until these this guy named Corey wanted me to do an interview with him. He scrapped the whole interview, and then he turned me on to Marlon Washington, or I think that's his last name, Marlon Washington. Yeah, I, I think that is. But he, his little minions came over there talking shit, about religion and the whole episode and all of that. And it's just really low key crazy. And I just think you niggas are the weirdest niggas out on YouTube. Like everybody, like those black conservative fan base, they are so fucking weird. They're the weirdest people on, like they top like Beyonce, Cardi B and Nicki Minaj fans 10 times more because it's like, So you mean to tell me after two months of that episode that aired, now everybody is interested in that conversation. You know what I think? Just, just honestly. And I don't even want to like think that because he is a fellow black person. Uh, Yeah. Different opinion and views, but he's black. So I, I respect him as a black man. I don't respect his opinion. And actually I do respect his opinion, but I honestly think he sent over bots to that video, said that every video that has his name on it, then it will view high. A lot of people do that, you know? I don't have a problem with people paying for views because I feel, well, views or subscription because that's how you get in the algorithm, but yeah, I feel like he sent over bots. And once again, I'm not against you know buying your views because that ain't nothing but advertisement these days. You can't get your video in the algorithm without some type of advertisement of your platform, your channel, your streaming platform, whatever it is, you have to promote it. People don't know who you are. It's a billion people in the world and they don't know you. But I do feel like that he sent bots over here, you know, like actual people to come to have a real conversation. You know, if you're, if you're going to do that, mix it in with some real people because if you're just sending a bunch of bots over here to get your name high and mighty, then what good does that do to the conversation of the black community? Just so that you can go and tell all your people, look, I scraped the floor with her. Look, I don't really be debating like that. I don't like to debate, but I do it because I want to see how this person thinks and why they think the way that they do. You know, I want to be able to lay down our differences after the fight And come up with something good. I tried to do that with Joe. He wasn't with it. I tried to, well, Corey, he just scrapped the whole interview. Um, And Marlon Washington, I'm actually going to put up the last little piece of this probably on my Instagram. Like the last piece of our conversation that I couldn't fit in that hour. So that y'all could see what happened behind the scenes of us going back and forth. But whatever, you know. If his audience would have went back to like any of my other episodes, they would have seen that I don't disagree with his standpoint at all. Some of his expos episodes with Corey, I actually like them. I actually sit there and listen to them because they're actually speaking a lot of truth. It's just the one thing. about black conservatives or Republicans that I don't like. And that's the same problem that I have with every black conservative, including Joel, is that you guys leave out the root of the situation of all black people problems. And that happens to be the government. In every single instance I can think of, the government has been somewhere close by when black people was doing bad. You remember when there was no white people around? You know, like Rosewood or Tulsa, Oklahoma, or Black Wall Street. There was no white people around. Guess what? Black people was doing A-OK. The moment white people step in and the government steps in, that's when black people start doing bad. So they think that it's all these other problems as if other races don't have these same problems. When in fact the same problem that's going on with the other races is indeed happening with the black community. And that is white supremacy and the government, you know, the same government that he tried to support and that he thinks that he can change. You know, he's running for a position out there in Washington DC Actually, that's what we got into it about, actually. So, you know, it was, I think it was the gang conversation. That's that's what we got into it about. He said that he's trying to get into government to change it, and he truly believes that he can do it. So I talked about changing the gang mindset around so that that the gangs in the community can work as an army and a police for the black community. He said that we wouldn't need the gangs if the government would do their job. Guess what? I agree with that. But now I have some questions because if we're talk if, if you're talking about getting inside of politics and the government and changing the government, how do you change the government? You start to change the mindset of the people off in the organization or you're just going to be another token black person. And I liked his response to my answer about gangs. We wouldn't need the gangs if the government would do their job. Great. But like I said, I got some questions. If the government was created before the gangs, Marlon, why do you think you getting into government is going to change the oldest gang establishment ever, which is the government? If why do you feel like, The government is a malleable organization and the gang members aren't. Is it because they're black? And is it because most of those people off in government is white or token black niggas like yourself? Because now I have to get raunchy. Now I have to get disrespectful because all of your minions that came to my platform thought that I was rude. So now let me be rude. Token black ass nigga. Why is it that you think the government can be reformed, but not the gangs? My third question, what have the gangs in the community done that the government have not done? Because as far as I'm concerned, both have killed, both have sold drugs, and both have terrorized the community. But if you change the mindset of the government, you just keep giving them power to control us and our narrative. But if you change the mindset of the gangs, then not only do you give them a purpose in the community to serve and they will fight for us because they are us, but they also would be the people in the community that not only live there, but would be the police there. The government has the gangs to protect them and the the gang could be ours, you know. The government has gangs, which are the police. That's their gangs that upholds their rules. We don't have a gang. The police is supposed to work for us, but <laughs> over the years, that's gotten misconstrued. Now the police think that they're they're Nazis, and that's what I was trying to get him to understand. But like I said, I'm not the best at articulating my points in, a, in an argument. And then he asked me, oh, well, the mindset of a gang member can never change. Somebody that's been to prison, they'll never change. They changed only because they went to to prison. That's not necessarily true, Marlon. If putting someone in jail to reform them work." then recidivism wouldn't be a thing. What is recidivism? Recidivism is when you come back out, uh, a person that spent a lot of time in jail comes back out, and they do the same exact thing. I was a victim of reviticism. I went to jail multiple times before I ended up in prison doing the long 18 stint that I did. And Why? because being in jail, people putting you in jail does not work. You work for free. You really don't learn a skill. You really don't learn anything. And then even if you do learn all of these skills that they supposedly supposed to give you in jail, then the only thing that you do is come back out and beg everybody for a job because for some reason the system don't like to take felons. The reason that they didn't that they aren't in the gang anymore is because they're in jail. So basically his stance was, jails do work. But I was there to tell him no, because of the thing called recidivism. And I just feel like um, he's very disconnected with what's going on in the black community as far as police, jail, gangs. He's culturally ignorant. They love bringing up, like, the Crips and the Bloods and gang members, but they never talk about Hell's Angels, which is a prominent white motorcycle gang club. Never talk about the uh, white supremacists, the KKK. They never talk about those guys. They just love talking about the black community and I gangs. I I don't know. Call me crazy, and it's subjective, I'm not forcing nobody to see my stamp, like my stance on where I would see the gangs in the future. But the government just have showed me too many times that they're never gonna do right. And last and the the last thing that I want to tell people is that I'm not the best at articulating my points in a debate, especially on camera but I do it because I want to talk to people on the other side of the spectrum of the topic, so I'm not in the echo chamber. So I can gain perspective from both opinions, but the thing that has happened in building with each other is we started building to find solutions and started building for sport. We should not be saying after debate that someone won or lost because it's supposed to be coming up with the best solution for the black community. You know, I'm not I'm not interested in who's right. I'm interested in what's right and how we can implement it into society, because unlike a lot of black conservatives and black liberals, I've come to the conclusion that neither party is trying to do anything specifically for black people. I mean, the Democrat Party wants to pimp you and the Republican Party wants to enslave you. Both participants of these Two parties think that they left the plantation. But in reality, y'all both just in the house getting the scraps and telling us outside that we should be grateful for the scraps of the scraps. Because the real bl- black grassroots. we realize that it doesn't matter what party you're with. What party is going to give me something for my vote? Now, me, personally, I'm not on the whole vote thing I think we should have left that shit alone a long time ago and did what, you know, our ancestors did, build Black Wall Street, build Tulsa, Oklahoma, build Rosewood, build, build these things back up. Now we have, you know, somewhat of law that somewhat keeps us safe. You know, you got that Second Amendment. Hey, addy up. And that's how, how I feel about it. But I'm not going to sit up here and say, Nobody shouldn't be voting. You know, you just fight white supremacy the way that you feel fit to fight it. Me, I don't feel that that's the way to fight, but it's not wrong, though. That's all I have to say about that situation. I'm hoping that, honestly, I can build with them again because I don't see it as that. I, I, I don't see it as a debate to the point where I can't ever say anything to you ever again. I see it as, oh, okay, well, Steel sharpens steel, or I think iron sharpens iron or something like that. So, you know, but speaking of black conservatives and white liberals, oh, these reparations, that AB 3121, nobody, no black conservatives ain't talking about it, no white conservatives ain't talking about it, just foundational black Americans, Adolf, Freeman. where y'all at? Y'all in the house, because it's smelling pretty reparational over there in California. I really hope those guys over there get the well-deserved money or and land, not or, and the well-deserved things that should have been acquired by their ancestors. I really hope that they get that for them. you know. But like I said, ain't no black conservatives talking about this. Ain't no white conservatives talking about this. Joel Patrick, his ass back to selling white privilege cards and talking about b l m when we the black grassroots have been off that shit for a minute. We've been told black people that b l m was not for us, and guess what a lot of black people started researching that shit, and you ain't heard no black people talking about b l m in a long time, but that's his his that's black conservatives catch they have to keep talking about the thing that was a L or a supposed L for the black community when nobody really in reality really even was supporting Black Lives Matter from the get-go. You know, Marlon and Corey, Marlon Washington and Corey, they just ain't said shit about it. But maybe they have, who knows, because, you know, I don't go and watch their shit because, unlike their fans, I don't go watch people's content that I don't like. <laughs> But yes, the AB 3121 is in the work in the task force discussion of the qualifications are being presented. And I don't hear any black conservatives saying anything about how black people are doing what we've always done, which is fight for what we want. You know, black conservatives ain't said nothing because if this pops off and starts to trickle all over to other states, then... They want their money too. I don't care what the fuck you say. Those black conservatives are gonna be the first one running their ass to the bank to go cash that damn check if we get reparation. Actually, I want I, I want like a I want a task for uh, a task on um, force team. I want a task force team. I want to be able to get some people together. And go through all of these black conservatives' YouTube channels and streaming platforms and social media accounts and just type hashtag black conservative hashtag reparations. And I want you, I want a, a compilation of all the black conservatives saying all the fucked up things about how black Americans shouldn't get reparations. And then when we get reparations, I want that compilation to come out, and I want someone to ask those people, did you get your reparation check? And if so, why didn't you give it to the black community? Because you said you didn't want it. That's what you said. You said you didn't want it, but here you are getting it. (laughs) You know, I really feel like they're on their way to go get their 23andMe test done on the low. As we speak, because everybody knows nobody ain't turning down no fucking free money, you know, because according to them, we wasn't oppressed. So if you wasn't oppressed, then you shouldn't have no problem giving that oppression money over to the black community or donating it to a black grassroots organization so that you won't feel so oppressed because that money is so that's money is for the oppressed. Remember Remember Joe? Remember Marlon? Remember Corey? Remember Brandon? Remember Candace? All of you people that have been talking shit about people getting reparations, black Americans, not even people because when it's someone else getting it, like the Ukraine or um, the the Arabics from um, when that whole... happened when you know we pulled out of the war over there nobody was saying nothing about that or when the Mexicans came nobody was saying nothing about that but when black people about to get ready to get something oh well we got to figure out the calculations and you know who gets it and where where is it all going to and what program we Uh, forget all that because I'm I'm Passionate about all of this because I feel a type of way about black conservatives that was talking shit about black people wanting reparations and then themselves receiving it. I feel like that's janky as hell. I feel like that's fucked up. You shouldn't receive something that you was against. Because remember when the talks of reparation first came up, their stance was, you already got your reparations from black folks fi- from white folks fighting for you. Or or why are you worried about something that happened so long ago here when it's happening in other countries right right now? What 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 about Libya? You ain't said nothing about Libya and the black grassroots respond to that was well we're talking about America because I live here in America. So how do I fight for another country's freedom? And I myself don't even have minds here, which we already know the beginnings of freedom is partially financially. So if partial of the freedom is financial, then that means reparations would be first on the list so that we can, um acquire and run our own towns and run our own things and teach our own kids we're gonna need money for that and it's not even that we're begging for it it's something that should be owed it should have been owed a whole 150 or 60 years ago when slavery was over you know so i just don't understand but that was our response to that. And then, and then the cold part is shortly after that, the, the Ukraine situation happened. Y'all remember that? It, that happened. And then we was talking about the black grassroots was talking about how we, we've been told y'all that white supremacy is a global, global problem, right? And, and what did the black conservatives say? Then they flipped it on us and said, well, I live here in America, and why am I worried about what's happening over there? Now all of a sudden they wasn't interested in international politics. But when we were talking about money, it was about international. When, when we talking about, hey, international problem, then it's, it's here in America. You know, only when black people are talking about life-changing laws or money, then they stay moving the goalposts. People in these parties keep contradicting themselves and that's what is all built on. That's why I don't really claim a party this whole now two years. I feel what is it? Two years, a year and some change that I've been doing this podcast now, almost a year and some change in you have never heard me say that I'm in a political party. Why? Because both of them are polar opposites of each other. If I pick, this side solely, then it's something on the right side that I I need. And if I pick the right side solely, then it's something on the left side that benefits me. These two parties were created to be polar opposites of each other. So anytime you solely pick one or you pick one in good faith, then you just contradicted yourself because it has the other one that you might need on the other side. Like how do I pick between the two? You don't. You pick whichever one benefits you. You're supposed to treat politics like hoes. Get what you can from whichever one it is and then pimp on. That's how you treat politics. And um, let me tell you about some other people that I feel have been real quiet because not only have the black conservatives as a whole been quiet, but black conservatives, immigrant black immigrant conservatives have been um really really quiet and they just quiet because for the first time in American history the American blacks are fighting for themselves exclusively and unfortunately because of the qualifications immigrants as a whole won't be included in this payout because of that Fourteenth amendment which helped you get over here you know it wasn't passed until eighteen sixty eight and the time span they are looking into for the reparations qualifications is sixteen nineteen to eighteen sixty five so you literally missed it by like a year if you're like uh like a third immig- third generation immigrant or something like that. you know you literally almost fucking missed it. It was like your parents came over here after that amendment was signed, so yeah but I just feel like nobody should be fretting at this point because at this point in the game, I feel like if you're one of the black people that don't qualify, then just be our ally and getting and it over here and take notes so that you can take the blueprint back to your country to go get reparations to, to the people over there and to yourself, just because you came over here don't mean that you ain't gonna get reparations over there, you know? And if if you don't know what supporting and taking notes look like, take notes from Jamaica. Here's an excerpt right here. Um, Jamaica, plans pl- Jamaica plans to ask Britain for compensation for the Atlantic slave trade in the former British colony. A senior government official says, under a petition that could seek billions of pounds in reparations, Jamaica was a cent- center of the slave trade, with Spanish, then the British, Forcefully transporting Africans to work on plantations of sugarcane, bananas, and other crops that created fortunes for many of their owners. Seize from no, I'm not gonna read all that. There we go. That's where I want to. We are hoping for reparation, reparational, reparatory justice in all forms that one would expect if they are to really ensure that we get justice from injustices to repair the damage that our ancestors experienced. Olivia Grunge, Mr. Minister, Ministry Minister of Sports, Youth, and Culture, told Reuters in an interview at at the weekend. So, yeah, that's what they're doing over there. they trying to get their little reparations up, and they're doing it based off of the same format that – black Americans over here are doing it. So that's what I'm saying. Like if you didn't make the cut over here as a black person, you are owed reparations in some form of fashion. Someone sold you somewhere you experienced some form of systematic racism that um, enabled your family to move forward in society, in some form or fashion, it just not might not be here in America is all that we saying. Take notes from them because, like I said, truth be told, reparations are definitely owed to all groups of black people but from different set of white people. You see how Jamaica is going for Britain and we going after America? So everyone needs to follow suit and stop low-key blocking the process just because you might not qualify. And last but not least of the three sets of people that has been real quiet because I told you the black conservatives have been quiet on this AB3121 deal the black immigrant conservatives has been real quiet clubhouse has been the quietest that I've ever seen twitter spaces have been the quietest that I've ever seen from black immigrants and last but not least those damn white liberal people that always come out and protest for Police brutality, CRT, and the gay hate crimes, where are they at? Where is the protest? Where is the back and forth online why black Indians and Ados and freedmen and black Americans should get reparations? Where y'all at? Or do you just get mad at the trending issues? Hmm. Is it just the trending issues? You know, like the George Floyds, which I'm not taking anything away from George Floyd or Sandra Bland or um, Tamir Rice or any of those black brothers and sisters. But let's be real. It's been several incidents that happened just this week, and I haven't seen anything from right liberals at all. And I haven't heard anything on this AB 3121 either. I want everybody that got white, liberal, Democrat friends. This is what y'all all all need to ask y'all. Liberal, white friends. Ask them why they ain't put hashtag AB 3121. Or why just haven't they talked about it on their news feed? Or their social media platform. Now, I bring that up, not for you to beg for allies, but to make you realize that they are only our allies when it's trending or when it benefits them or it's a plot to harvest our energy and waste our time. So now you should see where your allyship with white people lie. You know, we're on our own, folks, and we got to start moving like we are It's been too many times we've reached our arm out to all of these so-called allies only for them to reap the benefits of the things that they ever, they had us as the advertisement for, and then they go and reap the benefits. So if we do it on our own, then we will be the only one that's benefiting allow anybody to crowbar their way into this situation you know, and speaking of crowbar, you know, and while we're still on the reparation talk, I did read that it was a six-hour debate on if it should be lineage-based or race-based. Let me go to this little excerpt that I had. CalMatters.org. California Task Force, Reparations for Direct Descendants of Enslaved People Only, So, after more than six hour debate Tuesday, California's Reparation Task Force voted that only black Californians who can prove a direct lineage to enslaved ancestors will be eligible for the statewide and first in the nation intent to address the harms and enduring legacy of slavery. The nine member task force voted five to four in favor of defining eligibility. for the reparations based on lineage determined by an individual being an African-American descent of a chattel enslaved person or the descent of a free black person living in the U.S. prior to the end of the 19th century, the motion read. So, yes, um, I definitely, y'all definitely can go read that all on your own. But I'm going to go ahead and give my take on this because it's so much to unpack here. I myself are for lineage-based reparations because the way, okay, so that that way more money can get allocated to the people that should get it from that of that bloodline. Because the way that politics that play black people is with those interchangeable words that they put in those bills, you know, the, the word play. If you don't believe me, go go look at the bill. I got the bill right here. I'll just read just one of them, just one of them, because the thing that bothers me the most about all of this is I keep saying African, African American in this bill. Now that's why I be saying the word play come in at okay. Africa is a continent. Okay, so if you say African American, that can also be white people. That can also be black immigrants, African immigrants that came from Africa, and now they're here in the States. You're an African, and you live in America, so you became an African American. So, yeah, we already know it's a lot of African Americans in here, and we know by the wordplay that that can definitely go every other type of way. So... The most likely situation that will happen is they will give the reparations to black immigrants and study the lineage that actually have been through the hardship of what American has put them through. Why would they do this? They would do this so that he can be the savior in the immigrants' mind, so that when elections come around, they will vote for them, and when an agenda needs to be pushed, they will protest for them. You know, because it's so evident that the government is building a new bottom race of black people. They are beginning to erase the indigenous black American with the immigrant black American. And the reason that they are doing this is because we that have been here the whole time have seen all the tricks that politics has to offer. And we are waking up to the fact that we have to be responsible for us and stop depending on both parties for protection, equality, and rights in this country and just go and create our own. Because, you know, once we do that, then they can't use us anymore. They can't manipulate us anymore. And they can't humiliate us anymore by getting our support and our votes for them only to give whatever it was that we fought for to the groups that are underneath the umbrella of minority. So I guess with all of that said, just because you black and in America don't mean that you should get reparations. Just because you African in American duh, in America don't mean that you should get reparations. Just because you experience racism in America don't mean you should get reparations. Now that last one probably shocked you. Probably shocked y'all guys, but I was clear in what I said because see, reparations is not about solving racism. Reparations is a debt that should have been paid a long time ago, and it's to prepare it's to repair a wrong that was done to slaves that were brought here, and the Black Indians that were already here, and that's why the lineage base argument is so important because it prevents other races and other. Um, other descendants of blacks, like, you know, Haitians or Cubans or Mexicans or, you know, Africans, it stops them because that's the first line of defense. Our own people, you know, they always get our own people to cock block the, the benefits, but it also stops the crowbarring of other minorities underneath the umbrella. You know, like immigrants, white women, women in general, is all underneath the umbrella of minority. So they wouldn't be lying if they said, oh, we gave reparations to the minorities and then allocated the money throughout, you know, programs for white women or programs for women in general or programs for immigrants because guess what? They're all under... That umbrella of minority. But you know, on the other hand, they have black immigrants that are being taken advantage of and being used to push the white supremacist talking points about reparations, mostly the ones that are in politics or media, you know, like Corey, Joel, Marlon Washington, Brandon Tatum, all those guys, Candace Owens, all those people and they want black immigrants to push it because of the aesthetics of being black, because everybody sees black as black. Black people are the only ones that don't see black people as black people. We have, you know, oh, you're Jamaican. Oh, you're from, you're Cuban. Oh, you're, I mean, well, Puerto Rican. Um, Oh, you're, um, you know what I'm trying to say. It's different types of black people, but white supremacists and white people only see us as black people. It doesn't matter if you have an accent, you black nigga. <laughs> That's the only thing that they see. So they love to get these immigrants or these first generation or second generation immigrants to be the um, aesthetic of blackness. and But say all of their talking points. So they want them to be black and speak white supremacy talking points. Now, they used to do this with black Americans, but now we've been calling out the coons. We've been calling out the coon black people, so now they can't do that anymore. They have to get these um, these bootlick black immigrants that come over here and is just so happy to be over here because it's clean water and, and food, and they'll just do anything for white supremacists. We waking up to that, so we're not falling for those tricks anymore. So they love the aesthetic of being black, but the difference in culture mindset—they are uh, uh, black immigrants, and it's no shade to you guys. I get it. We we're, we're brainwashed over here. Germany has a whole book that they learn about us in history, about our propaganda that we use on ourselves. So this is no shade. This next sentence that I'm about to say but you guys are culturally ignorant to what happened here in America to black people and what you know we fought for and we endured a lot of black immigrants have learned a lot of that old history that's already been debunked by black historians about slavery and they continue to parrot it as if it's facts for instance the Abe Lincoln statement of if he could keep the union and slavery, he would. Marlon Washington asked me, you know, what what is that supposed to mean when I when I asked him, when I told him about that statement, because we had a conversation about, you know, um a little bit on the form of reparations, but he was like, you know, if you guys um no, he said, um, well. White people already fought for you guys to be free. So that's reparations right there. And first of all, I was like, we wasn't supposed to be enslaved anyways because we had our own land popping and everything going on. So why did they even steal us in the first place? And secondly, I quoted that quote that Abe Lincoln said that if he could keep the slavery and the union together, he would. And Marlon Washington' response to that was, what is that supposed to mean I did that because he's like, he's first generation Haitian immigrant, you know, and that's at best. Because he still has his his accent, I would say he's possibly first generation. But that was his response as a first generation Haitian immigrant in Washington. That what did Abe Lincoln mean by if he could keep slavery going in the Union, he would. Now, looking back in retrospect, I should have told his black ass, hey, you go ask them. You go ask them, my nigga, since you think white people care about us, you go ask why Abraham Lincoln said that he could keep the union and the slavery together. He would. You go ask them. Because I don't know. You're the one who thinks white people care about you. So you go ask him. Immigrants that come over here are just so grateful to get the bare minimum because they're obsessed with this thing with black Americans that oh we have it so good over here and you can never last a day over there in my country. And it's not even about that. Why are we why are we poverty comparing? Why are we comparing poverty? The the bottom baseline is that we both in poverty and we're both in poverty because of white supremacy. And in, in, as a global issue, that's why you had it hard over there. Not because black Americans are over here being lazy and now you can come over here and get all these little benefits that, you know, our ancestors fought for. That's fine. That's cool. Eat them up. That's what the benefits are for. But you don't get chance to the benefits that our ancestors worked for. Get on your feet and then look down at us. That's not how that worked. You know, they all think that we're lazy, which is the total opposite because we keep fighting for rights and changes, so that we don't have to become what you yourself love, which is your country and is running rapid with white supremacy. You know, we're the last hub here in America that has somewhat freedom for black people. You have to understand it's not a Democrat or a Republican thing. White supremacy takes both sides of the argument so black people can keep fighting with each other at the bottom. That's how it is. So I just want to go ahead and put a button on that. And for the last but not least, man, that don't say gay bill. It's ridiculous. I just, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's going on, but Let me go ahead and read just a smidget of this, this controversial. (laughs) This is from the ABC News. But the country, Florida's controversial. I can hardly say that word. Anyways, this is from abcnews.go.com. Florida's controversial don't say gay bill. What's inside the proposed law? Okay, Florida's parent, parental rights and education bill dubbed the Don't Say Gay Bill, thank you, by the LGBTQ activist, is on Governor Ron DeSantis, That's awaiting his signature. Meanwhile, debate continues on this legislation and what it would mean for schools, teachers, students, and parents. So, okay, so what does the Don't Say Gay legislation exactly say? I'm going to go read the bill in its entirety, or I'm just going to put it up on the screen for you guys. But... I guess in a nutshell is classroom instructions on sexual orientation or gender identity may not occur in kindergarten through grade three or in a manner that is not age appropriate or developmental appropriate for students in accordance with state standards, according to the bill's language. However, the legislation does not make clear what is age appropriate or developmental appropriate because the state standards for sexual orientation and gender identity are almost non existent for many grades. So I'm not sure what that say what that's gonna say. But like I said, I'm gonna go to the bill really quickly and read it. Parental rights in education requires requires district school boards to adopt procedures that comport with certain provisions of law for notifying students parents of spe- specific information require such procedures to enforce reinforce fundamental rights of parents to make decisions regarding upbringing and control of their children prohibit school district from adopting procedures or school support forms that prohibit school district personnel from notifying parents about specific information, or that encourage students to withhold from parents such information. Prohibits school district personnel from discouraging or prohibiting parental notifications and involvement in critical decisions affecting school students' mental, emotional, or physical well-being. Prohibits classroom discussions about sexual orientation or gender identity in certain grade levels requires school districts to notify parents or health care services, authorize parents to bring action against school district to obtain declaratory judgment, provides for additional awards or inconjunctive release damage or reasonable attorney fees and court costs to certain parents. So basically, honestly, this whole bill just means, hey, you're going to have more notification on what your kid is going to be learning in school, not just because of this situation, but many, um, I'm guessing CRT is a big one in Florida. Now this one is a big one and possibly, um, the COVID thing. Remember when, um, somebody was doing a pizza party. It was in some state. Don't quote me on the state or anything. I don't even know it, but, the nurses were giving out COVID shots in in exchange for a slice of pizza without parents' consent and anything. The kid could just willingly go up and grab a slice of pizza, but in in exchange for the slice of pizza, they had to get the shot. Um, the, the kid ended up telling the mom. The mom went up there, but, hey, it's too damn late. So I'm pretty sure that those are the three things that they're worried about in Florida with all of this. But it just so happens that, yeah, this this whole teaching sexual orientation was probably the straw that broke the camel's back in Florida with that. So none of this seems crazy to me, honestly. And this is me as a gay person saying this. The only thing I really have to say about any of this is, first off, the bill name is clickbaitish as fuck. And should be changed because I do feel like it was named that way to get the LBGTQ community in an uproar and to pander to his conservative base because Ron DeSantis is definitely a conservative Republican guy. He's, he's pandering to his base the same as Trump did, you know, the same as all of these politicians, they find their niche base and they pander to it when election times come around. That's what politicians do. And I did peep a lot of LBGTQ phobia in the comment section of this article, but overall, am I mad at this bill? No, because it's, it's against teaching something that I don't deem anything that needs to be taught to get ahead in life. Like never in life has a question on an assessment test for a job had me putting down you know, the correct pronouns the the correct sexual orientation of the LBGT community. So it's like, uh, should it be taught? I don't know. That's subjective. I don't have kids. Is it going to put my kid in a better position if they didn't know it or if they did know it? Uh, No. It really doesn't put them in a better position knowing the information of the LBGT community. I don't know. That's just my take on it. And, but, and I'm totally for the parents, you know, teaching their kids about, you know, sexual orientation. You know, I'm not for the school teaching it, but I do feel like, That is a responsibility for parents to teach their kids about sexual orientation, whether it's heterosexual or homosexual or trans or bi or any of those sexual orientations. That is the parent job, I feel. But now that I've said that, I do feel like just because it's not going to be taught in school, that does not mean that your child should be ignorant of different sexual orientations. You know, if this bill does pass, and I do definitely think it will, um, I still urge parents to teach their children because you don't want your kids to be ignorant about something that's always going to be around. It's more and more gay and trans and bi and all those sexual orientations. It's more people are coming out. More people are beginning to be themselves and be comfortable in what their sexuality is. And your kid is going to have to interact with those people, those children as well. I, I was gay when I was 16, So it was, it's like those straight kids that were in school with me had to see me, had to talk to me, had to conduct themselves in a way I would feel that wouldn't, that wouldn't, I don't want to say offend me because it's like either way someone's going to offend you in life, but I guess would extend the same type of respect as if they didn't know I was gay or I I didn't look gay, you know? So, yeah, I definitely think that that's why different type of sexual orientation should be taught by the parents, not the school, because you don't want your child to be ignorant about something that's going to be around today, tomorrow, next year, and the next years and years and years away. And you as a parent, I feel like y'all as parents – have to get over three mindsets. First one is that Christianity mindset that people are going to go to hell just because they're gay. Because if you felt that was the case, then a lot of y'all would keep y'all asses out of them strip clubs that display all that girl-on-girl action. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of y'all be over there claiming y'all don't like homosexuality but be the first one throwing a hundred and ones up in the sky because two two red bones was kissing in the back seat, you know. But that's okay because those are you know two films. Y'all never care about two films kissing each other, two feminine women kissing each other. But the moment that it's a stud and a film, oh, you you get a little bit of uneasy. And then as soon as it's a uh, two guys kissing, oh. Y'all need to get that gay shit out of here. But you was against gay. You're not really against gay. You're really against a sub, a, a sub portion of gay, which happens to be men on men. And that's a whole nother conversation for a whole nother time. Cause I'm already at 106 y'all. So the second mindset is that LBGTQ phobia. I didn't think that it was that bad, but, with last week's episode about the Greg Abbott trans child abuser bill, um, then I was convinced that it it was some hardcore LBGTQ phobia going on. And I'm not even talking about the type of phobia where it's something you can flip inside your mind and say, well, maybe he meant this. No, it was, you know, taking it all the way back to the Jesus days where they think that we should be getting stoned but yes, the LBGTQ phobia has to be put in check because the fact that you guys think it's us, like regular LBGTQ members, y'all think that is us that's pushing this is crazy. Because we're we aren't. We don't have that type of pull in the judicial system. We don't have that type of pull. In the medical system, hell, we don't have that type of pool. In the education system, we don't have that type of pool. This is corporate LBGTQ pushing this type of stuff. They're pushing this type of stuff so that straight people and gay people can fight each other. Under the guise that it's for the kids. You know, notice that is no one black and gay pushing this. No one black and gay has said... Yeah, y'all should be teaching this in school. No one black and gay has said that because they can't find a black gay person to push this agenda because we all have this moral stance that, yeah, we don't want that type of thing to be taught in school. But we want it to be taught by the parents. And y'all got to stop thinking that we are trying to make y'all kids gay. Readings about something and learning about something new is not going to turn your kid gay. I wore all type of dresses and skirts and I was even on the cheerleading squad and still turned out gay. Actually that cheerleading squad is probably what did it. (laughs) And, and you know, just to add more sauce to the pot, I'm the only one in my family that's gay. Everybody else is straight. So if I have all this straight influence, that's around me. How did I turn gay? It was just something that was possibly gonna happen anyways. And the third thing is the willingful ignorance of different sexualities. I mean, educate them how you want to, but you should want them to know before the streets tell them this is not sex, the sexualities and all of that stuff is no different than. What you would try to prepare your little girl or your little boy for if, you know, you wanted them to know about, you know, them growing up and the feelings that they have growing up and, you know, puberty. The only real difference is that you are just really assuming that they straight. When you talk about the birds and the bees to your kid, you're talking about the birds and the bees assuming that they're straight. when you whenever you and however you decide to tell them about sex and sexuality is at your discretion but it has to be done so nobody won't take advantage of your kids some people think that only girls in high school get turned out no bro it's boys too but how will he know that he's getting taken advantage of if he don't know the signs of another boy coming on to him because your dumbass didn't teach him anything about other sexualities. So now your son is walking around in the daytime hand-in-hand with a girl and arm-in-arm with a boy at night, and he don't think that he's gay because the other boy is telling him, being on top don't make you gay. Yes, gay boys manipulate straight men. All the time. It happens all the time. And it's mostly because they have no recollection or no education or have never been put in a situation where they their sexuality was questioned or how they are supposed to respond to a gay guy or decline a gay guy if they're not gay themselves, because they grew up their whole life looking at Joe toxic masculinity as telling him that gay is wrong. Or let me just go a little bit deeper with the conversation. Since you didn't teach him about different types of love and sexualities once he got in high school, now, He got AIDS from unprotected sex because in his mind, protection is for when he has sex with girls so they don't get pregnant. Nobody never told him you can still contract an STD from anal sex. See where I'm going with this straight parents? Or let's just flip it on the other side. You didn't teach him about other sexualities, So someone gay talking to him makes him feel uncomfortable and makes him feel like he's gay. So he spazzes out on him. Spazzes out on the gay dude for talking to him. Because his whole life you taught him that being gay was dishonorable and not of man. So now he's looking at a hate crime at age 17. All because you skipped out on that education because you thought him learning about a different type of sexuality would hurt him. So it's all type of scenarios that can lead to harm on a person, you know, just for misinformation and not educating them. I agree to not teaching it in school, but I feel like if you ain't going to teach them, then someone will. I would rather it be you guys, the parents of these children that's growing up in these public school systems. And that just doesn't go for straight parents with straight kids. Even hetero parents with LBGTQ kids or LBGTQ parents with hetero kids should be against this as well. Because for the same reason that I'm against CRT, it's the same reason that I'm against them teaching sexual orientation in school. And it's because I wouldn't want anyone that is so against the lifestyle that I or my child live to teach my child anything about it. I mean, they made a whole bill. So let's just put it in this perspective. If you're an LBGTQ parent or an LBG or have an um, child that's in the LBGTQ community. Put this into perspective. The teacher is a Christian, and your child happens to be trans, bi, or gay. Who knows what in type of environment they're creating for your child to be in? Are they throwing shots on the low? You know, while teaching the subject matter? Is she overly using my gay child as the example for every sexual orientation lesson? Is they making my kid feel ashamed to be who they are? I wouldn't want anyone who disliked my kid's lifestyle or my lifestyle so much that they made a bill for it not to be taught to my kid. I wouldn't want that person teaching anything to my kid. And that's why, honestly, I've been pushing, um, I've been pushing the idea to community homeschool your kid. That way, whether you agree with this bill or not, you decide how much of what you want your kid to know and how much you don't want them to know. And that's just as simple as that. So I got to go ahead and get out of here. I'm already at an hour 16. I love being here. I love doing this. I'm definitely going to come back, you know, probably with some shorts or something. But I am going to therapy, you guys. It's going to happen. I need it. So um, make sure, make sure, make sure. If y'all don't see me back on here in about a week or so or whatever, then don't worry, I am in therapy and I'm trying to get back up to par. But please follow me on an hour with Crowder Facebook, an hour Crowder Instagram, Crowder the Great on Twitter, an hour with Crowder on TikTok, and listen to all of the older episodes. And this new episode on Anchor, YouTube, Spotify, Apple Play, Google Play, and a couple of other streaming platforms. If you go to Anchor and drop that list down, it'll show you the other platforms that I'm on that don't get that much traction. And I am going to be out, you guys. I love you guys. Y'all stay safe. Y'all stay healthy mentally and physically. Peace.